everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Speak Your Truth Radio, a conscious journey to enlightenment. And I am Kristen Bomas, your hostess. In private practice, I am a spiritual teacher as well as a life guide. Joining me today is Dr. Bill Longstreth, who is a licensed chiropractor and a licensed nutritionist. His practice today is in Deerfield Beach, Florida, and he works with patients using his nutrition to heal. Thank you for joining us today, Bill. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about um, the combination of mastering life, working towards enlightenment, and clinical nutrition, and really finding balance in the body, and how the body, the mind, and the spirit operate as one as we move toward um, enlightenment or life mastery. When we look at the indigenous people of the land, they all knew that from the inside, if we are in an emotional and spiritual balance, that there would be no illness or injury. But where there was illness or injury, they knew that there was some imbalance in terms of spirit or emotion. Today, in Western medicine, we're starting to hear that, you know, illness is caused by stress, by stress, by stress, you know, and okay, so we get it, but stress is actually the word that we use in Western medicine for emotions, and so we're starting to agree with what, you know, people have known for thousands of years, that in fact, emotion and spiritual imbalance leads to injury and to illness. So, which makes it really interesting for you because you deal both with injury as well as illness in your practice. And you, you know, what do you see in that with that whole combination? Well, one of the things is, is in talking about adrenal issues, because in, in Western medicine, we think of the adrenal glands as the ones that handle stress or that are responsible for our stress response. And in lecture after lecture, when the adrenals are brought up, the standard question is, what percentage of your patients have adrenal problems? And the answer from the entire audience will be 100%. Yeah. That's how pervasive it is. That's amazing. And why do you think it's so? so? Well, if you look at in a, in a more natural setting, you talk about the indigenous population, where you would hunt and forage for your food, mm-hmm. and, and, and your, your real priorities were, I need to stay alive, I need to nourish my body, I, I need to I need to go out and hunt, but I also want to avoid being hunted. Right. And that seems, boy, was that stressful. Yes. But it wasn't because th- there wasn't a lot of decision making, and you didn't have to fret over your responsibilities. They were pretty clear cut. You either stood your ground, or you ran away. <laughs> and life isn't like that, you know. I, I talk about okay, all the the strife in the Middle East. What's your response to that? You're going to stand your ground, or you're going to run away? Well, I don't have that option, and and very few, nobody really does. Right. So we're kind of powerless to handle all these stressors, in the in the format that we were designed to operate in. That's true, and it's interesting because if I go back to what you said about the indigenous people, they also operated in balance with the animals and the environment, so that if they were going to go out and hunt a deer for the people and then and for their food which they would not do every day they would actually do ceremony to really get in balance with the deer so they could honor the life of that the deer was giving them and in that balance comes an absence of the fear 
So the fear is actually those emotions, and if we just categorize all emotions into the love-based and the fear-based emotions, then as we're looking at the fear-based emotions, we know that that is striking exactly what you're talking about. In our society today, that becomes a better uh, gauge than the environment being the stressor against us because there are multiple stressors on the environment and the question is how are you taking it in is it is it eliciting some of those fear-based emotions um, or not and each of us is going to respond differently so if it is eliciting fear on that side of things do you see that in your practice and if so how does it show up in illness or is there a balance that you're looking at or some sort of a, an emotional piece in what you're doing well, from a, from a physical standpoint, when I counsel patients, I, I talk often about the fact that most of us can't change our stressors. What we're able to change is our reaction to them. Exactly. Um, so I, I do spend a lot of time in that area, um, but how it, it manifests physically, um, the first thing usually is, is disruption of sleep habits. Okay. So... In early stages where you haven't succumbed to all those stressors, you'll have sleep interruption and what we call maintenance insomnia. Go to sleep fine, wake up at two o'clock in the morning and the brain starts to go. Can't shut it off and can't go back to sleep. But as that progresses, you get to the point where no matter how tired you are, you lay down at night and you can't shut that brain off and can't go to sleep. So that's, that's how it begins. And so it's the first question I often ask my patients, how are you sleeping? And what about, there's something like, since I'm one of your patients, there's something you do with switching or what, explain how that, what that is to our audience and how that fits into this body, mind, spirit balance. Well, muscle testing is the, the primary tool that I use to examine the patient. And then you correlate that with things like laboratory testing and, and you know, other, other imaging studies or whatever you need to do. But in doing the muscle testing, there is a phenomena called switching. And what we're actually doing is testing the polarity of acupuncture meridians. And if they're in balance, then we can move forward. But if they're not, and frequently they are not, that, that shows up as this phenomena we call switching. And it manifests in things like uh, dyslexic kind of activities, saying words backwards or an inability to multitask. I can only do one thing at a time. And the one I see all the time is people not knowing right from left, uh, especially if they're not standing. If they're, if, if many, many patients, majority of them, if they're laying down, you say, turn on your left side, they at least hesitate. And you'd think half the time they get it right, and they don't even get it right half the time. No. So that phenomena has been known in, in kinesiology for many, many years. But it isn't until recently that we knew that that most of the time is being driven by the immune system, wow. and then much of the time the immune system is being driven by the emotions. Wow. And how so? Well, it, it, it actually alters immune activity mm -hmm. as we respond to these emotional stressors and breaks it down. Yes. Okay. So, it, it, you know, we, when we talk about the right and left-hand side of the brain and you're the expert in that area. But in switching, what you see is excess communication rather than what you would think would be lack of communication between you know, your mental side and your logical linear side and your emotional side. 
but it's actually excess communication. And that communication then ends up giving the brain altered or distorted information upon which to act. Yes. That makes sense to me, actually. A lot of sense. So speaking about the brain and the activity, I'm going to switch. Um, To those of you out there, you know, I was trained as a psychologist, and so uh, Dr. Bill and I have had the opportunity to do some really fun stuff together where we're, we're tying together the the physical and the emotional. And one of the things we did together um, just recently is join forces on psychotic reactions um, from what we believe is a reaction to uh, um, excessive uh, marijuana use. And we started doing our research together and started putting on, we worked as a team looking at those connections. Um, without getting into too much detail for the audience, what was that experience like for you? And what did, what, from your perspective, what was it like to learn everything we learned and to see the outcome that we've uh, seen? Well, when you first asked me to, to, to investigate psychotic behavior and what's, what are, what's the brain activity associated with that, uh, I thought, well, gee, that's a bit, big job. And when I got into it, it was so fascinating, though, that it, that it really... I, w- I was just enthralled. Uh, and I found so many connections that have helped me in other areas as well. Um, for example, when we talk about the excessive use of marijuana, um, the binding sites for THC in the nervous system are the same binding sites that the herb echinacea attaches to. Wow. And so the use of echinacea as a tool to free the THC from the nervous system and to help balance the nervous system was something I had never considered. Wow, that in and of itself is fascinating. Were you as surprised as I that we had such a great response with the uh, teamwork that we did with the individual with whom we were working? I, I think so. And I, I, I was surprised, but I think it comes from some of the, the prejudices that I think community has about psychological issues anyways and I feel like I don't have those yes but the truth is I do so if it's a mental issue obviously it can't respond to something that's done physically and vice versa and I know that's not true but some of that myth obviously still exists in me yeah and that's that I think that is pretty true for all of us that we have those hidden prejudices or things that we bought into that are social norms that we kind of carry forward and until we're challenged we may not even know they sit there existing because they're sitting in the background so it was really a joy working with you on that that was fun and we continue to work together with that which is is also fun so talk um talk to us a little bit about in the in what you're doing uh well let me back up a minute to to bring the audience uh back to where i am in my mind um as people in here, what I do is I work with mastering life and, and bringing people to a place of uh, enlightenment or great joy. I don't know that they come to a place of enlightenment, but that they are working in that direction. Um, in working with people and as people start to evolve into that place of mastery, which is getting to a place of the, the absence of the fear-based emotions, they're finding balance in their body. And in finding balance in their body, they have a natural inclination towards 
natural medicine. It's like they're, as their mind and emotions are changing, if you will, so is the body's craving. So the body then wants an absence of drugs and an influx of natural. Um, some of that I think is because we operate as a whole as one unit we aren't fragmented and the more we start to see that unity within ourselves from an emotional place we're also connecting to that concept of unity and to the actual oneness of life when I say that to you what does it mean to you and how do you see that oneness in your practice from that that balance uh, that natural balance that you're using because you use all natural products um, do you see a connection there with the body operating as a whole so that, you know, whatever? Well, you know, you mentioned that to me earlier, and I hadn't looked at it from quite that perspective that as, as, the, as people improve in, in their emotional status, if you will, or, or their realization of who they are and, mm -hmm. and what their purpose is, uh, that they're going to crave to be more natural in the way that they treat their body as well. And they, there's a desire to live in a, in a more healthy fashion. Uh, but I do see the reverse. Yeah. I see the patient who physically, as they start to improve, also begins to look at life differently. They begin to, to see their place mm -hmm. in the universe and, and, and drive more joy from that. Yeah. Um, but until you mentioned it, I hadn't actually thought of it in just that way. But yeah, I, I, I talk about weight loss and, and how that occurs, how you know, if people just want to lose weight and they're, they're so fixated on that. And, and my standard statement is, well, you know, if you just want to lose weight, we'll cut off one of your legs. <laughs> and and, and you, you laugh, they don't laugh, they're mad. They're like, you're not listening, you know, what are you talking about? I said, well, think about it, really. That's, you know what, you don't care what that scale says. You know, you want to stand butt naked in front of a full length mirror and say, I look great. Yeah. Now you may not get that, but that's the goal you're working toward. So when you start to change their perspective a little bit, once they start to see some success, and this is the part I think that's very hard, is that it's almost as if they have to have the success before they can achieve it. And it doesn't, it doesn't right. work that way. But you, know, you try all these things for weight loss, and in my office it's, okay, we're gonna do everything healthy. If you live healthier, then your body's going to start to come back to the shape that it's supposed to be in. Um, and having done that long enough, if indeed that starts to happen, that's the very reinforcement that now makes it a success and they'll go forward with it. But if they don't have that acknowledgement from the universe that they're doing the right thing, then they just struggle and struggle and struggle. Right. So there is that balance. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So even in something as everyday as weight loss, you're finding that balance between the body, the mind, and the spirit. And it's true. And as we look at eating disorders, so to speak, we've, we've found that, right, not only in research, which is, is a little bit limited, but also in practice, that there is absolutely a balance in that. And of course, in, in weight loss alone, as a woman, I know that we all struggle with that whole concept of how you look versus what the scale is telling you and how is that in balance? Is there an alignment there as well? Which is interesting. The other area that I think is real interesting in that aspect is pain. Uh, because, you know, pain is a, a warning signal by the body, but pain also distorts our perception of reality because it interferes with our other senses bringing the world to us. 
and there's some great new studies out about neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability of the of the brain and spinal cord to change functionally and physically in response to input. And that people in chronic pain have virtually no or have less neuroplasticity. They cannot learn. Wow. So and I see that in my practice all the time. Chronic pain patients not functioning well. And how, if you can reduce their pain or eliminate it, how the world opens up to them. That makes sense. Because the, the pain, from what I see in my clients, is like, the way I describe it, is like a, a wet blanket just kind of covering them and limiting their world. And they don't see, they get so consumed by the pain, they can't see beyond it. So it's like this big heavy cover emotionally. So what you're saying then is that that, that um, neurological or physical limitation is also what they are experiencing from an emotional place. The irritability increases, the anger increases, the inability to, to, to see clear of that into um, an opening. Things seem to be closed and limited from an emotional and visual perspective of life. Yeah, I, I, I think of fibromyalgia as a good example of that. Excellent example. And, and although I understand the need to create a label, mm-hmm. and for some patients who absolutely need that, you know, they need to know, gee, what have I got, Doc? Right, right. And so the label of, I don't give it, but the label of fibromyalgia is given, that too often that same patient will then live out that label. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I'd like to go to dinner with you next week. I have fibromyalgia. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'd like to brush my teeth before I go to bed, but I have fibromyalgia. So everything in life becomes, yes, but right. I have this label. Right. And, it, and it's so limiting. Yes, I agree with you. I see that constantly, that the labels actually, not only are they, they identifying with the label, which limits them, but it also takes them away from the balance. Again, keeping them lopsided in on the side of pain, on the side of illness, on the side of injury, and not allowing them the freedom that is theirs to have. Do you believe that the body is, um, if put in, if we could, if we could feed the body exactly what it needs, is the body capable of healing itself? Well, it depends on what you mean by feed. I mean, from a nutritional standpoint, yes. because that's where I work, yes and no. It, it has the potential then, but if you're not feeding it emotionally, you're not feeding it right. mentally, right? then... No, it's not going to. Um, you know, my, my, my original training is in chiropractic, and they, they, they always talk about the limitations of matter. And there are some limitations, but they're nothing like what we self-impose. I agree with you 100%. Yes. So as you use natural supplements, what got you to the, all the natural supplements? Because you use nothing but food-based supplements, which is, I, and I just love that. Well, they're actually... There are a couple of exceptions. Yes, there are a couple of exceptions. But there are always exceptions. Um, My first contact, really, with nutrition, I had a patient that had moved from Chicago to South Florida, and he was being treated by a chiropractor who was an instructor at National College, which is just outside of Chicago. And he showed me x-rays where his discs in his low back had regenerated. This is 35 years ago, and I had the same look. Had the same look you have now. It's like, well, that doesn't happen. And 
that was my introduction to chondroitin sulfate, the supplement that people take for musculoskeletal injuries. And this chiropractor had been using it with him and he had built the disc spaces back. Wow. Now, if you if you if we had MRI, we didn't have MRI back then, but if you looked on MRI today at that same patient, what happened was he was able to build up connective tissue there. It wasn't really a new disc, but the disc had healed with scar tissue because chondroitin sulfate is what we call ground substance. It's what your body uses to make connective tissue. Uh, so that was my introduction, and that was just a natural approach. So it built from there. Uh, I then became acquainted with the work of Dr. Royal Lee, who back in the 20s was a dentist in the United States and thought back then, gee, our food quality is terrible. And I'd love to be eating what was available in 1920, almost 100 years ago, yeah, me too. for food. Yeah. But he thought the quality was really dropping. And so he began to manufacture supplements from, from whole foods, grown organically, because that's really all there was, mm -hmm. uh, to supplement the failings in our diet. So it was his work really that took me on this route to use uh, whole food supplementation. It's fascinating. And it is, it's interesting to see the difference because you're using whole foods. I, I know just from the little bit I've learned, um, and this may not be exactly correct, but I, I remember learning about vitamin A from somebody and the way it was described is you can take vitamin A in its pure form because that may be what, what was seen originally as the healing factor in an apple. So they extract what the chemical called vitamin A, they make vitamin A, and, and I guess they gave it to, to physicians and nurses, and, and vitamin A extracted out of its environment became toxic, but put back into the, the environment of the apple or whatever it needs to be amidst can be very nutritious and healing. Am I making sense, and is that close well, to what? Well, yeah, that, that's close. The one I like to use is broccoli. Okay. So broccoli extracts, they just did a study in China where they gave people broccoli extract in lemon and lime juice and then the control group got lemon and lime juice and they found that the people drinking the broccoli extract excreted 61% more benzene than the control group and the benzene's in the air and in the water from all the industrial pollution that's in China. Wow. So. You shouldn't be excreting benzene because it's not supposed to be in your body. But only broccoli extract does that. And all the studies they've done on broccoli, they've taken various chemicals out of it. Right. Uh, DIM and, uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of chemicals that are all sulfur-based chemicals that are in broccoli. And if they give those, they don't see the benefit. Oh, really? So, for example, in estrogen-dominant breast cancer, most women are given tamoxifen or some other estrogen uh, chaser, if you will, a drug to try to prevent the recurrence of the disease. And if you add a broccoli extract to tamoxifen, it's 50 times more effective at preventing the, the recurrence of cancer. Holy cow. Fif not five times, not 50%, 50 times more effective. Wow. Okay. Um, but if you give DIM, the extract, the, the actually a chemical out of broccoli doesn't work. It has to be the broccoli. There's a combination of chemicals in food, you know, most of which we don't know yet. Right, right. So that's, you give the food. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's to me fascinating because again, it goes back to that whole spiritual concept of one. 
Our body is millions of cells with trillions of activities and we're one human being. And so when we start to fragment, there's, from an emotional perspective, anytime we fragment, that's fear. And anytime we unite, that's love. So I, if I split things evenly, not evenly, but if I split into the fear-based and the love-based, mm -hmm. you know, emotions and um, experiences, then to fragment, if you and I are in a relationship and we um, get into an argument, those are fear-based emotions, we start to fragment in the relationship. But as soon as we start to unite on love, well, that was redundant, as soon as we start to feel love again, we unite. So the same happens in the body, that if we're fragmenting those, uh, or in the food, if we're fragmenting the food that we eat, we're not getting the same out of the food that we would if it was in its entire oneness, an extract, and the same in the body if Western medicine, you know, segregates and fragments and only treats one area of the body, it tends to throw the rest of the body in, out of balance or you get a lot of side effects from the drugs because of the imbalances that it can create. Well, if, if we look at what's produced in the way of medication in the world, now the prescription drugs that are out there, originally they all came from plants. Absolutely. And they were that, plant extracts. And still today, about 25% of the drugs on the market are natural plant extracts. But the other 75% are all chemical man-made products that don't cover the whole spectrum. Right. And that's why you see the dramatic increase in side effects from, from all these medications. Drugs mandate a change in the body. They actually take function away from the body and they force chemistry to change. Where food and naturally derived food products give the body an opportunity. And the body still is able to do what it chooses to do. Unless the dosages get too high, you can use enough vitamin A, like you talked about, even in a natural setting, um, to damage the body if yeah. the dosage is high. But you have to get a dosage above what normally somebody could possibly consume. Yes, that makes sense to me. So, and, and then vitamins become drugs. Yes, they do. And, and that is something I don't think people realize out there. And uh, maybe we should just take a quick minute before we close and say, you know, people are, are, are pretty much self-diagnosing and self-treating with all of these vitamins on the market and wondering why they can't take this off the shelf and have it not work. Um, and I think you just kind of touched on some of that. Do you recommend people um, self-diagnosing and self-treating with all of these, you know, vitamins on the market? Well, to an extent, at least, I know everybody's going to, regardless of what I say. There's some simple things they can do. You know, we're not, not getting enough omega-3 fatty acids because it's not in our food anymore. So virtually everyone can supplement that. Uh, most of us don't get enough calcium, so we can supplement that. But beyond that, really, we should be getting it in our food. And the term supplement means that. It's a supplement to a good diet. And that's the place to really self-diagnose and self-treat. What am I eating? Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. So you have um, been listening to Dr. Bill Longstreth, who has a practice in Deerfield Beach, Florida. And he can be reached at, you want to give them your phone number? Sure. Uh, the area code is 954. number is 570-8022. And he also has a blog, Bill's blog. And the website is? Uh, DrLongstreth.com. That's DR for doctor and no dot in between. Okay, so you can visit 
Dr. Bill Longstreth at drlongstreth.com. That's D-R-L-O-N-G-S-T-R-E-T-H.com. And enjoy his blog. His writings are fantastic. They will... Uh, you'll learn a tremendous amount from each and every one of them. And I am Kristen Bomas, your host, our hostess, on Speak Your Truth Radio, and we thank you very much for being with us today and sharing your time. <music>